It is a holiday week, and Gatos and Chad are out for the week or two. Steve and Bruce are in. Back to you guys. Yeah, do we have any sort of confirmation that they're ever coming back? Ouch! <laughs> no. Well. No, they will. Hmm. They will. I think they're coming back uh, start of the new year, so you know, no need to worry. Gators and Chad out this week. Steve Zinsmeister, Bruce St. James in for the guys. Uh, certainly hasn't been without its news today. I think that we were anticipating a reaction from the Biden administration mm-hmm. uh, to yesterday's news, which was the Supreme Court said, all right, Title 42, the border policy uh, on sending migrants back to their uh, home countries. Let's put a pause on that and let's see what Biden has to say. It was today, supposed to expire at tomorrow. 11.59 tonight. Right. Essentially tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow morning, uh, tonight, yeah. whatever. If I say tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, I guess. I don't know how that works. Uh, we did hear from the Biden administration today. That's right. Government lawyers uh, in front of the Supreme Court acknowledged that the end of Title 42 would, quote, likely lead to disruption and a temporary increase in unlawful border crossings, unquote. Imagine that. It's interesting. They did say this. The government in no way seeks to minimize the seriousness of that problem. But the solution to the immigration problem cannot be extended in to it cannot be to extend indefinitely a public health measure that all now acknowledge has outlived its public health justifications. Yet the administration's lawyers asked the Supreme Court to keep Title 42 in place until next Wednesday saying they needed more time to prepare for whatever this is going to look like. Because we've only had two years to prepare for what's about to happen. I mean, what's a week going to do, really? What are you going to be able to accomplish? I I understand there's probably some more resources that can always be surged to the border, which always seems to be the answer that the government comes, the federal government comes up with for immigration is instead of enforcing our immigration laws, we'll just send resources to help the communities deal with it. And it should be the other way around. But I think part of it is, and and not to oversimplify it, the issues we're having with immigration today aren't the issues we were having before where we had laws to deal with them. We, we have a new set of problems that laws, policies, and lawmakers have not kept up with. I, I mean, I think that's a I think that's a fair point, isn't it? I would agree. I just I don't I don't get what an extra week of not pulling the bandaid off is going to do. I'm not saying that I want Title 42 to go away tonight. That's not my point. Mm-hmm. My point is simply, uh, what are you going to accomplish if you're Biden in the next week that you couldn't have done in the last year and a half? That you've been in yeah. office or almost two years they now. Claim, they claim, and these are unnamed, that there would be new policies that were that they, they refer to as secure and humane that would take the place of Title 42. That they're going to come up with in the next week? Again, I'm not. I, listen, I'm reading it, Steve. I'm I not know, defending I'm not mad it. at Let's you. get there. <laughs> <laughs> at least not for this. Uh, no, I. Listen, it's also a holiday weekend. No one's working over Christmas. I mean, it sound this sounds to me like Biden was like, "Hey, uh, we can deal with that next week, right?" It's giving me indigestion just to think about I it. Can the, we wait a week? I got the grandkids coming into oh. town. Do we really have to deal with this now? Uh, we also talked with Mayor of Yuma, Doug Nichols, today yeah. uh, because he's got something else going down at the border right now, where he says that. Uh, Border Patrol is actually handling things a little bit different starting today. So I started off by asking him, you know, what is actually changing as of today? 
It really came down to uh, the criteria to release people from custody onto the streets as opposed to releasing people to um, a nonprofit, for instance, that will help them um, transition to wherever they're going. Um, basically, this is just, in essence, opening the front door and tell them they're free to leave. What that could potentially end up with is, and very realistically, end up with people walking around the streets looking for resources, not knowing how to find those transportation options out of town, which, to be frank, are fairly limited. Uh, so that's the that's the crux of the situation is it's not just a matter of people finding their way to the bus terminal and, and copying on something. It's finding an open seat on that bus. So, um, Mayor Nichols, is this being driven by uh, uh, overcrowding? Is this being driven by lack of space? It's a dual prong thing that it, the Yuma sector has the largest population, what they call in custody at this time. And that's part of the reason. But the other part is, I think, trying to look ahead for um, what potentially Title 42 scenario might be. Some of it does feel a little bit political in that I know Border Patrol has had even more than those people in custody as far as the total number of people. Um, so there, it's not something I can pin to one thing and say this is exactly what's okay. happening. What are some of the numbers? I mean, you've told us before that it's around a 1,000 people coming across in Yuma per day. Uh, my understanding is that Border Patrol has not been releasing many, if any, people into the city of Yuma before. So now that they are, how many people per day are we talking about being released onto the streets of Yuma? Well, so... Uh, let me back up just a little bit. Since I wrote that memo, this has been a very fluid situation. Things keep changing every five minutes. Sure. Um, and we had a nonprofit, another nonprofit, stand up to help uh, for the people that are being released today. And that's 50 people that are being released. Coming across the border has ticked uptick. So we're hitting about 1,100 people now a day, and that looks like that's increasing still. So the situation as it's been for the last year or so it has been where the thousand people get kind of uh, dispersed into different avenues. Some get returned home under Title 42. Some um, are expedited removal because of criminal issues. Some, uh, and a large portion of them, about 350 to 400, maybe even up to 500, go to our uh, Regional Center for Border Health that has helped with transportation. And then the remainder were surged to other parts of the country ICE facilities or DHS facilities, and that's what's starting to get um, slowed up. Hmm. We're talking to Doug Nichols. He's the mayor of Yuma, certainly a hot spot for immigration in Arizona specifically. Um, mayor, the last time we talked to you, you said you were going to have a meeting with uh, Governor-elect uh, Katie Hobbs and that you were going to talk to her about what she wants to accomplish at the border. My understanding is you guys have talked. Uh, yeah. What have you heard from her as to what she plans to do at the border? Well, um, she she is very concerned, and rightfully so, about the humanitarian aspects of the people coming through, and as well as those that are currently living in the border community. So that was very uh, important to hear. Uh, and so what I did is I invited her to come take a trip and see how that is in Yuma, because it's going to be different than it is in Nogales and, and Douglas and those communities. Um, and she expressed a strong desire to do that sooner rather than later. Uh, so we're in the process of 
trying to figure out that schedule. Does she um, want to get rid of the shipping containers that Ducey put up in Yuma? The Great Wall of Ducey? She did. Um, she did express that that was her opinion, which was led to the comment of my invitation to come and see how things look. Uh, fortunately, I've gotten information that that set, most of that section is going to be replaced by a permanent solution by the, mm. the okay. government, the federal government, in uh, the end of this month. Understood. Uh, oh. Mayor Doug Nichols, the mayor of Yuma, thank you so much for keeping us up to speed on this important issue. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Stephen Bruce. 1,100 people per day coming across, and as of now, he says they're starting to release migrants onto the streets of Yuma, something that they haven't done since March of 2021. Yeah, so we're going to go back to the way it used to be, for lack of better terms. Pretty much, and I don't know that that's uh, a that better That wasn't a good thing, but but you know what? I mean, Steve, there's a, there's a solid argument to be made that allowing Title 42 to stay in place and be used in a way that it was never intended, once again, lets lawmakers, policymakers, the president, Congress, off the hook to actually do something to address the issue. Yeah, if you had ripped the Band-Aid off and things got really, really bad at the border, like worse than they already are, then yeah, maybe that inspires more opportunity to get something done and replace Title 42 with something permanent. I agree with you. I I, I think I'd rather Title 42 expire not because of what's going to be done at the border, but because it at least let everybody know how bad the situation is. Because if we keep it in place forever, then there's no reason to replace it. Yeah. Because we'll just keep doing this. We'll put it off a week because of Christmas. Then we'll put it off a week because of New Year's. Uh, you know what? Let's just go past Valentine's Day. At that point, St. Patty's Day is right around the corner. So, <laughs> I, I mean, you see what I mean? We like, can't do it around St. Patty's Day. <laughs> Think of the Irish. I know. <laughs> we just can't do that. Think of the Irish for the love of God. Coming up next, uh, it's a common misconception about the purchase of the Phoenix Suns, oh, which reportedly is going down. I'm a stickler. Bruce is a stickler. He's going to explain to you why uh, there's a common misconception about this purchase. He'll tell you all about it next on the Gatos and Chad Show. Arizona's news station, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. The Gatos and Chad Show, afternoons. And this portion of the program brought to you by Parker and Sense Plumbing and Electrical, the two-time winner of the Better Business Bureau's Ethics Award. He's Bruce St. James. I'm Steve Zinsmeister in for Gatos and Chad today. The One of the big stories today, Bruce, uh, was the acquisition of the Phoenix Suns and yeah. the Phoenix Mercury. Both teams owned previously by Robert Sarver, supposedly. There's a new owner on the way as the team well, was sold. And maybe maybe part of the problem, I, I, I hate to be a stickler on this. Oh, go ahead. Be the stickler. Um, and maybe the, the problem is definition of owner. Uh, Robert Sarver owned 35%. Of the so Phoenix Suns. Majority owner? Well, he wasn't even the majority owner. Well, he, but he was the else. controlling owner. He had he had the largest percentage. Fair enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um managing partner, I believe they call it. Managing well, but the NBA refers to it as a controlling owner. Sure. So there has to be like an owner of record. He had the ability to sell the team in its entirety, even though he only owned thirty five percent of it. Right. What he agreed to do today is to sell 60%, his 35%, and another 25% made up of other minority owners. I don't know who they are, I admit. Rich people. Um, And the Ishbia brothers, Matt and Justin, are paying $2.4 billion 
for a 60% stake in the Suns. There will still be 40% minority owners. Because I'm not trying to dog on other media, but I was reading, you know, the, the... uh, I keep reading Matt Ishbia to pay $4 billion for the Suns. That's most certainly not what's happening. That, right. that, that is factually incorrect. Matt Ishbia is reading all these headlines. He's like, like, wait a minute, what did we do? What the heck? I'm only worth $4 billion. Did this? <laughs> it's just an outrage. Well, but, no, this, came, uh, this came up between you and me earlier because I was looking up Matt Ishbia because I yeah. hadn't heard of the guy. And I discovered online, so who knows if it's true, that he's worth approximately $5.1 billion yeah. himself. His and brother... By the way, right is worth two point one billion. A tiny two point one. And so they, I, the, the the new the company is called like Ishbia Ventures or whatever. But it's the two of them have pooled their, some of their money together to do this. Right. So uh, that, that's a good clarification on your part. Well, I I mean, is it a point without a difference? Because I keep saying, if you think that Matt Ishbia paid four billion dollars for the Suns, wrong. That is not a factual statement. Uh, I do think, however, that the story. The narrative that the Suns were evaluated at four billion dollars today, but that's based on his math. purchase. Yes, if he paid sixty percent and paid two point four, well, then the math. other it means four billion. Yeah, that's how they came up with the four billion number. You'd still have to find someone to pay for the other shares. Don't right. get me wrong. That's still very interesting to me, though, that they they carry the value as an organization of $4 billion because if you look at the precedent, you look at the Clippers, what was that, almost over 10 years Clip ago, dogs, yeah. uh, when Donald Sterling was forced out, he had to sell the team and they made $2 billion. Uh, they sold to Steve Ballmer. Right. Uh, there's been other organizations. The Nets sold for, uh, I don't remember how Three, much they Three, I, I just had it up here. 3.2, like, I think it was. 3.2 billion right. uh, back in 2019. In total, but again, is that a valuation of the entire company? Right, or, or is it, I don't know how, how much, much actually paid. Is that a for a hundred percent ownership? Is that for fifty percent, seventy five? You don't know because so many of these ownership groups are a amalgamation of people. And the number four billion, it, it, I was thinking three billion would be a good number. In fact, I was reading in one of the stories today that there's a group of other people who were hoping to buy the Suns. Yeah, who came out today in in response to this and said, "We thought we were in play here." And we had an offer on the table for $3 billion and nobody even got back to us and said, like, mm. hey, put together a better offer. Apparently, the Suns just liked the offer from Matt Ishbia so much that they just went with it, Well, and there's awesome. Also, if I understand correctly, the NBA has to approve. Oh, sure. You know, so there might have been something involved in that as well, because Matt Ishbia and his brother have talked about buying a professional sports team Previously, so maybe they were. I don't know. Is there are there circles of billionaires that oh, hang sure. out going? I don't know. What do you want to? You want to buy the Mets? I don't know. I'll tell you what. I, I, you well, know. they're not for sale. Their owner okay, is crazy. But yeah, uh, you, know what I, you know what I mean? You know, yeah. They just sit around and then they all know the other owners and they know the the league office and go, hey, if anybody ever wants to sell, give me a ring. I do believe that that's kind of a thing. It's maybe a little more complicated than that, but uh, <laughs> but for you and me, our purposes, yeah, that's essentially how it works. Um, I want to believe it's that easy. No, but it, it has been made clear to me in some of the articles I've been reading today that because these brothers have been looking to buy a team both in the NBA and mm-hmm. the NFL for years, that they were so well known and already vetted that it expedited the process. But that's my point. Like we we know who these guys are. 
Right. They're, not, they're not some Russian oligarch, you know, who's, uh, you know, like, who is this guy? He they, just showed up with bags of cash. They don't have to do the background check. It's already been done, essentially. We know who these dudes are. Um, so that's kind of one of the big stories going on here locally sure. today. The Phoenix Suns supposedly have a deal done to, and the Phoenix Mercury are also a part of this deal. Well, and by the way, that, I, I find it odd that people feel the need to say that. If you aren't aware, every WNBA team is attached to and owned by the NBA team. Yes. And they are they are similar entities. I think it's different in people's heads because you go to a Suns game and you go to a Mercury game and they're two different things. In your head. They're not the same company. Right. It's the same company. Even though they are the same company. It's the same company. You just have different experiences at both. It's the same company. It's certainly a different product. Uh, no argument. Same company. Same company. Yeah. So anyway, that's happening today. Matt and Justin Ishbia. Yep. Former basketball player, too. I think that's Matt kind of a cool Yeah, it won a national championship with Michigan State. I've seen a lot of Michigan State fans pretty excited. In 2000. Excited. So this guy became a billionaire in 20 years? Well, I, I don't believe he became a billionaire yesterday. He's probably <laughs> been a billionaire for a while. He's 42 years old. Now the youngest owner in the will NBA? Be the youngest owner. Yeah, controlling, again, I'm going to use the term, and I read this in the, in the article, they use the term controlling owner. He might be younger than Chris Paul, the point guard. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. No, I think he's I think he's 39 for what that's worth. That's uh, perfect. Coming up next, Bruce is traveling for the holidays. Maybe uh, you are too. I'll tell you this. You probably don't want to get the email in your inbox that Bruce just got uh, from the airline. He'll tell you about that coming up next on the Gatos and Chad Show. Arizona's news station. KTAR News, 92.3 FM. A mashup of news, information, and entertainment. You're locked in to the Gatos and Chad Show. Hey, if you're flying this holiday season, uh, watch out for that bomb cyclone on the East Coast. Good grief. Things are becoming increasingly difficult for Bruce St. James. Uh, <laughs> Don't worry about me. <laughs> I do worry about you, man. We're going to have blizzard conditions in the Midwest and the Great Lakes area Thursday and Friday. And airlines are already preparing for it to completely screw up Christmas travel. Uh, Christmas is ruined once again. Uh, the bomb cyclone, obviously the weather impacts. If it impacts hubs... Certainly, that impacts a lot of other airports across the country. Yeah. People like you are getting emails from airlines saying, yeah. are you sure you don't want to fly sooner? Yeah. So so this is one of the things. If if you are flying, I'm, I'm supposed to fly Thursday. Okay. Thursday and Friday are the worst days right now, weather-wise. Oh. Okay. My issue is, they say, do you want to change your trip? Well, I can't change where I'm going. I'm going to Washington, D.C. Got to go see yeah, mom. Change it how? Like... That's where the weather is. Like right. the weather's not here. You know, the weather's there. Yeah, you can't the problem's fly landing. <laughs> you know, I go that's it. So I, but they're suggesting that I leave early. Okay, they're saying Wednesday travel, tomorrow travel may not be as affected because the really severe weather is expected Thursday and Friday. So you're left with the decision of do I leave earlier for vacation than I anticipated? Or do I tough it out and just see what happens with my flight on Thursday? Yeah. Which is risky business. I like to live on the edge. <laughs> is that what this is? I like to live on the edge. Yeah, because the only way I'd be able to leave on Wednesday would be make, like the red eye. Oh, so you have and to I'm leave not a it. huge fan of it. You leave it like Who's midnight. I'm a huge fan of Loret, the Some red Some people eye. like them. I guess. Yeah, so you would leave it like midnight, midnight get in, in the morning, like 7 a.m. And then you're messed up for the next 48 Completely hours. Completely screwed yeah. up, yeah, because you missed think, an entire night. I think a lot of people are going to be going through similar things. I mean, yeah. there's record travel going on every single holiday since the pandemic. Well, here's what I'm telling you. If you're flying in the next 72 hours, right? start preparing. Plan. Have a backup. And... 
It's not going to do any good. You, you'll never see me do this. I'm not going to tweet how much I hate the airline because my flight was changed or canceled because of a blizzard. It's not there. Yet. All airlines are dealing with this right now. And whether you're you're on Southwest or American, Delta, United, and all the ones in the middle, a lot of these major airlines are preparing for some of their major hubs, the Chicago's, Boston. Washington, D.C., New York being extremely affected by this. And even though it'll be clear and sunny in Phoenix, your plane might be sitting on the ground covered in ice in Chicago. So you said have a backup plan. What's your backup plan? Uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. I'm going to, <laughs> the next thing we're doing is, tri- no, I'm kidding. We're going to get in a U-Haul, all of us, and we're going to drive across country. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not going to stress out over it. I learned a long time ago, Steve. And it may come as a shock to you. I don't worry about things I can't control. It's a great stress reliever. So I can't control the weather. I can control how I react to it, I suppose. Yeah. So um, if the weather causes cancellations or changes in my flights. So be it. All right. Okay. We'll figure it out. And I'll eventually get out whenever I can get out. Or I'll fly to, you know, normally what I'll do with the airlines, because I fly a lot. You know, if they say, well, you can't get into Washington, I'm like, can I get into Philly? Can I get into Baltimore? Can I get close? Because I know how to get from those cities down to D.C. relatively easily. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can jump on a train. There's commuter trains, things like that. Like, I always say, how close can you get me? Right. The problem with this is, I think Memphis might be as close as they can get me. St. Louis might be as close as they can get me. Yeah. It's, and that ain't very close. It's not just raining in D.C. No. It's bomb cycloning bomb on the cyclone East Coast. Bomb cyclone the entire Midwest and East Coast. Yeah. So it looks uh, not good. Well, I do wish you the best of luck well, with We're going to be here tomorrow. Don't worry. Oh, By okay, tomorrow, yeah. I'll change and go on the hell of hands. And then we can, we can red eye after that if you want to. Yes. Uh, I like that I just invited myself on your vacation. <laughs> Please. My mom would love it. All right, man. Let's do it again tomorrow. Deal. All right. He's Bruce St. James. Steve Zinsmeister. Becky Lynn is up next with Arizona's Evening News. We'll see you.